welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I am your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and discuss how uh, they created their own sound investments. Now, today, we are bringing back Brian and Cody from Blue Oak Capital. If you want to hear more about their story, what they're doing now, this is not the show that you're going to be listening to. You're going to be listening to the most previous episode that was released on Tuesday because this episode is for the newbies, for the rooks that are looking to get started and any actionable steps that we can take in order to get into the space. So welcome back, Cody and Brian. Thank you for coming back. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, always a pleasure to come back, man. Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, starting starting off then, I mean, you know, let's just assume that I I have zero money, right? And I want to jump into the space and, you know, I'm starting to get educated, right? What's the first thing I should definitely look up when wanting to learn about this space? Well, you know, living in this digital age now, I mean, there's so much great content at your disposal, at your fingertips. So, you know, obviously you can go online and and you can search of various different books, podcasts, you know, blogs, things like that related to multifamily investing. But, you know, personally, I find that the best way to start getting yourself ingrained in educating yourself is being surrounded by people that are in the space. So number one, my first encouragement to people is get out and network, go find your local, you know, meetup groups in your communities, whether it be virtual or live, whatever the case may be, but you need to surround yourself with as many people that are in this space doing it, what it is that you want to do and start networking those guys. And in those conversations, you're going to discover a lot about what you don't know and some areas that you should be focusing on. And through that, you're going to also identify your identity as an investor. So I would say start with networking. Networking. I would agree with that 100%. You know, don't let the lack of resources or capital necessarily prohibit you mentally from, from making any type of decision. Now, obviously, if you have some capital, even if it's only a little bit, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 bucks saved up, that can be tremendously impactful in getting your foot in the door. But if you don't, there's still other ways for you to add value to people who are in the business, right? This is a very labor intensive business. Cody and I both wear a lot of, a lot of hats, as do other successful operators. And there's other ways you can add value to them. So, you know, it goes back to what Cody was saying is, is if you're not getting out there and networking and sort of figuring out your identity while you're educating yourself, figuring out what am I good at? You know, am I good at underwriting? Am I good at uh, finding deals? Am I good at networking so I can attract capital? Do I have an operator's uh, mindset or or am I an operator at heart where asset management really is something that I'm passionate about? If you could figure that out, which one of those four, and you don't have to be good at two or three or four of them. I mean, realistically, it's best to be good at one and stay focused because that can be your value add piece into these operators so that You know, as you continue to network, you build relationships, you keep showing up, right? If you're talking to somebody who maybe has a meetup or has a podcast or, you know, you constantly listen, you get to know that operator to where you establish some sort of relationship with them. There's ways for you to add value to them, right? So whether it's through one of the means that I said, so if you're not out there educating yourself and if you're not out there networking, you'll never know where you can potentially add value to others unless you're getting out there and you're talking to people. So I would, I would give you that. I would echo the same sentiment. Thank you. Now for, 
In in both of your cases, both of y'all started in single family and then made the transition. Do you think you can bypass a single family route and then go straight into multifamily or or I, uh, do should you start there? I think you can. And I wish I would have personally, not that I spent 10 years there, but I, I, I wouldn't call it burned because I don't think I would be moving as quickly as I have been if it wasn't for the education that I gained in the single family space. But I think you can. I think you can definitely skip that phase if if it's something that you know you're willing to uh, take some. Like Cody always says like get kicked in the teeth a few times. Uh, <laughs> you know if you're willing to get knocked down and keep getting back up, knocked down, keep getting back up because you know this is a, a space where you're going to get told no a lot. You know even if you've got five thousand doors and you're attracting or raising capital for somebody, so you're got this great deal. It's an awesome deal, and you ask for somebody from for fifty k. They might just tell you no, or the other way around. Maybe it's your first deal and you're trying to get your foot in the door. You might hear a lot of no's. So if you're willing to put the work in every day, wake up and do the work and build those relationships, I would encourage people to to skip that phase if they can. Because, you know, the one thing I, I've realized being in, in multifamily is time is our most valuable resource. It's not money. It's not capital. Even if I had an unlimited you know, fund of money, I still don't have, I still have the same amount of time that you have, Taylor, and the same amount of time that Cody has in a day, and that's 24 hours. So mm-hmm. don't waste time if you're not really passionate about single family and your heart's not there and you'd rather do multifamily, I would I would say just go for it. Yeah, I mean, I think conceptually people wrap their head around single family because it sounds easier, right? It's just one house, it's one unit. And for some people, they think that, oh, that's just easy because it's just one versus when you hear 100 units, it, it may seem overwhelming. But for, take this from two guys coming from single family. It is a lot of work. And and don't get me wrong, it's a lot of work in the multifamily space as well. But it's the return on that time and effort that's the difference, right? When you're going out there and you're having to be a landlord for single family and you're fielding the phone calls, you're dealing with the tenants, chasing rent, going through the eviction process, all those various things, you know, it it, it becomes very, very burdensome. You're right. And, and look, there's people that have, <clears throat> excuse me, there's people that have a passion for that. You know, there's people that just absolutely love to be hands on landlords. And that's great. If that's you, cool. Do you. But for most of us, I would argue, especially if you're, uh, you know, working professionals, you don't have that kind of time nor energy to invest in, in, in being that hands on. Right. And so. I think what people will discover very quickly as you get to the multifamily space, the larger the assets get, the easier it becomes, right? The debt gets easier. The debt gets better. The management becomes easier. You know, you find access to more opportunities with partners and things like that that can help you take down these larger transactions versus relying on your your only income, your sole income or your your own capital. So I would definitely encourage people that, yes, absolutely, you can skip single family and, you know, before before you try to, you know, debate that, get surrounded by the people, again, in these network circles that are in the multifamily space, and you'll be pleasantly surprised to hear a very common theme there. Hmm. Now, for me, you know, full transparency, just like in my story right now, I'm over here in California. It's, it's pretty expensive, and I do want to jump into the multifamily space. Now, one of the options is, you know, I could... Or I guess like one of the the difficulties is like trying to gain credibility, you know, right from the get go, you know, studying, I'm underwriting, we're trying to, I'm trying my best, I'm learning um, and trying to network and, and, you know, just be engulfed in the space, going to the meetups and, and just networking right now, you know, something that came into my mind was 
you know, maybe I should buy a duplex or a triplex or a quad out here if I can. It is really expensive, but I can try and, you know, I guess take that experience and use that as credibility towards adding, you know, a partnership or adding to a GP team. Nat, I guess the question is, and is should I go that route and try something small first too, um, even though it is more expensive, or should I just try and go, you know, out of state first? Well, listen, I think, and Brian, I think you'll agree with this. I think number one, the most important part is just getting started. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it is single family or duplex, quadplex. Well, you know, it doesn't matter where you start. The most important part is getting started. Mm-hmm. And then once you get started, then momentum builds, then the business acumen builds, and then eventually you can continue to scale. So I think number one, you know, I mentioned this in the last episode at the end, identify who your investor identity is. Who do you want to be as an investor and what's the long-term goal and how, what's the path to get there and then build your business around that. You know what I mean? If you're somebody that wants to start out small and focus on those smaller assets and then kind of build slowly, great, just go do it, go get started. Right. But if you're somebody like, you know, in in a position like myself and and John, our third partner, who we're still W2 employees, we have wife and children and that we, you know, time is our biggest commodity and we want to take that back. Right. So I want to get out of my W-2 as fast as I can. So I need to, I need to scale a portfolio quicker than, you know, I don't want to be doing this for 20 years down the road. So I need to get there sooner or later. So for us, syndication makes sense because I can go target larger assets and, and build that portfolio much faster that way. So again, I think it just depends on what your identity is, but, you know, mm-hmm. figure out what your comfort level is and just go get started and then just keep building from there. Keep leveling up. Agreed. hundred percent. You guys got to pick something and stay focused. You know, if you're, if you lack the confidence to go to the syndication model and, you know, a hundred plus units scares you or you don't feel like you're a value add quite yet, then look for some JV partners on a 10 unit or a 12 unit or a 20 unit, but stick to your investing thesis. I know, you know, it's something Cody's been very good about with our company because sometimes, you know, we're, like Cody mentioned, we've been hitting our head on the wall looking for deals and, you know, we're looking at these hundred plus units and then like a kind of attractive 20 unit comes and Cody goes, no, 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 that's not us, <laughs> which, which is important because, you know, you have to understand like, what am I looking for and what can I do? What, you know, where can I add value? And if it's, you know, a 10, 12, 15 unit, then just stick to that. When you're talking to people say, I'm looking for things that are under 20 units. I'm looking for JV partners. The thing that I've learned about this deal and just in the last six months is you don't get what you don't ask for. Right. So if you don't, if you're running around telling people, yeah, I'm a multifamily investor, anything from 10 to 200 units. Like, okay, that's not specific enough. And you're probably <laughs> going to scare people away just from telling them that, right? So if you're going to go with a, a small multifamilies that's still technically residential uh, lending, then say, hey, I'm buying two to four units right now. And I'm planning on doing that for the next 18 months. And I'm looking for a capital partner who wants to one partner that can bring some capital because it's, again, you're not going to have a huge pie to split and just focus on that. And you'll probably find that one partner if you turn enough, turn over enough stones, or if you're going to go a little bigger and you're looking for, let's say 10 to 20 units, then just be very transparent about that. Say, Hey, I'm looking for 10 to 20 units. Here's where I can add value. Here's a market I'm in. I can be boots on the ground. You know, maybe you have a little bit of capital, be honest about it, whether it's, you know, 5,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks, whatever, but I'm looking for partners who can help educate me where I can add value to you and we can grow together so we can eventually scale our, scale our portfolio. And again, just keep being consistent with that message. Keep turning over stones and you're going to find deals and you're going to find people that want to partner with you. 
No, I I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm definitely going to be listening back to this episode and, and making sure that I get all this wisdom in its entirety. Because, you know, one thing that I, you know, I, one of the big things that I took from this is really just like knowing yourself and just getting started, knowing where you are in your current situation, whether you're trying to get out of your W-2, or if you're willing to, you know, have a little bit of a longer period and a longer growth time, knowing your situation, your current situation, knowing what you want to, uh, your investor identity, as, as Cody said, and then also just going out there and getting started and sticking with it. So thank you, Cody. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you coming, coming back, you know, for this short, quick hit uh, action items episode. Again, if they, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? Yeah. So you, again, you can visit our website, www.blueoakinvest.com forward slash why real estate. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media, we're both very, very active on LinkedIn. You can check us out on there. And then if you want to just reach out to us directly, check us out at Cody or Brian at blueoakinvest.com. Awesome. Thanks guys. I definitely reach out. Yeah, definitely reach out to them. Indeed, honestly, it was a pleasure. I'd, I'd love to do this again when we get the chance and, you know, sending positive vibes for this current investment opportunity. And I'm wishing you all the best of luck. Taylor, man, we really appreciate you having us on the show, man. It's been a blast and look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks, y'all. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.